Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. This particular Bible study is going to be why I believe in Christocentric theology. This is important. This is a video that I've been wanting to make for a while. This is going to be like, kind of like a teaser because um, when I make the video for First Discipleship, it's going to be it's going to be more professional. I won't be wearing all this, but I wear this because when I record. It's just a lot easier to do it as I'm recording the sound and the audio at the same time because I have to go back and edit it, which takes longer to get these out. So I'll sometimes use these as podcasts and just leave them as video. It all depends. But this one in particular, I think, is important because it's a, everything that I teach is through the Christocentric theological manner. And I say that because a lot of people try to understand what that exactly means. So Christocentric means that Jesus is at the center of the Bible, in a nutshell. That's just as plain as I could probably put it. Um, the other aspect of it is that I believe and that the Bible is written about Jesus Christ in one single narrative, in one story. And it's not like an anthology of books in a book and an anthology of stories within a story. I like that because my niece helped me using her terminology as she put it. And that was a blessing, by the way. So the, the anthology of books in a larger book is not what the Bible is. It is not a bunch of little stories that are individualized and, well, they're moral. They're actually a narrative, and they, if we want to use the word piggyback, they piggyback on the next story, and then the next story, and there's like stratas. And in these stratas, what we find is reoccurring information that reveals itself as the narrative goes forward. Um, It is important to know that God just doesn't give us a story without some kind of revelation. He gives revelation through the story. So it's not like at the end of the story, like, oh, well, that was a good story, and well, now I'm going to live differently. You can get that, but that's not what it's for. As you see, the Bible, starting from the book of Genesis, God introduces himself, okay, as all-powerful, almighty, majestic he 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 presents him that's how he presents himself in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth i mean if that's not power everything that you know everything that you're standing on everything that you do is because of him the very breath that we breathe and so on as you can read through the book of genesis chapter one and two and you will see that god is good everything he did was good it was definitely conducive to everything to the human being and their survival here on the earth everything god created was for us and for the any living creature and animal that serves uh, the purpose of man for survival and such and so on. But it wasn't always this way. As you read, I encourage you to read the Bible because this is the only way you're really going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I say Christocentric, is that the Bible tells us later on in the New Testament about the foundations of the earth and what was before that, the whole plan of God. And so as you read through scripture, 
you're going to find what they call types, shadows, symbols. And these are some of the primary things that what we see within uh, in the narrative. And so it is a core teaching about the Messiah. Now, to educate you just a little bit on the Messiah, the Messiah is from English, it's Christ, to Greek, it's Messiah. And then from Messiah to Hebrew, it's Moshiach. Now, this is important to know because the the de-Judaizing of Christianity is where a lot of us are led to only read the New Testament and we use Old Testament scriptures as a supplement for teaching the New Testament. This is not just my biased opinion. This is actually what happens. Um, been a pastor for, you know, six, seven years, and it's noticeable in how I encounter other Christians and how they tell me about Jesus Christ or their understanding about Jesus Christ. It's rare that you see them using Old Testament references. It's it's very common to have the conception of uh a replacement theology is pretty sad that if you can somehow de-Judaize uh, Jesus Christ into a European or a Eurocentric, you know, trying to be nice here, um, persona, um, relations, appearance, um, even the King James Version and thus thee thou. I mean, these are things that that we it, it, it takes away from what Jesus actually was. So I just want to make a bold statement. Jesus was a Jew. I don't know how, how much more simple I can make that, but he observed uh, when he was uh, born, um, he, on the right time, it says in the four Gospels that he was circumcised on the right time, day, and year. When Jesus went to the Jewish leader's house for dinner and Mary came in and she cried on his feet and then she dried his feet with her hair and he was eating kosher food with them. He observed uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. He observed Passover. He observed, he even told the the disciples, his disciples before you leave Jerusalem, you need to stay here, okay, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. So he instructed them to stay and to observe Pentecost before the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. So there's so much about Jesus that is Jewish that is the only way that you can understand the Christocentric theologies to understand Jesus' Jewishness. This is vitally important. Now, I'm going to make... Uh, other videos in connection to this, but this is just the beginning of this part one, I guess, if you want to call it, but there's a lot more to go. So it's in very, it's very important that I kind of get you some of the things, and I'm going to go into scripture here in a second, but I just want you to understand that Christocentric theology basically is first century theology. It's not new. It's new to other people. It's new to some Christians. But this is the way the first century church believed in who Jesus was. As a matter of fact, to take it a step further, the disciples uh, and the the Jews at the time, uh, it was 
consisted of the church, they still observed all the feasts and the celebrations that God had told Moses to do for an everlasting um, observance for the Jews. Now I'm going to be um, in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, and I'm going to read down. And I just want you, this whole chapter is what I'm talking about. And this is something that we really need, or most of it, what we really need to understand when it comes to this. Because I'm not, like I said, and been saying this, I don't know why, but I'm not talking out of the side of my neck, okay? Verse 24, I mean, chapter 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to, like, to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and, stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself, or marveling to himself, at what had happened. Now, in verse thirteen, it changes a little here. The narrative it says, "Now behold, two men, them, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and." They talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happen there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, These, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him from the condemned to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he, hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our, women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. 
when they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them on all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass that he sat at the table with them, and he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up at the very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Verse 36. Now they said these things. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and the repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are a witness of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. Let me stop there. Okay, so again, we have this whole aspect of 
this narrative in in Luke. Now, the reason why I'm even bringing this or read, read the scripture or even be labored to even reading this scripture to you is because this is where Jesus told his disciples to look because the mystery had not been fulfilled in their understanding. The mystery had been fulfilled through Christ, but they didn't believe it as you can reread it for yourself. They didn't believe that he was the one. They believed, they believed he was a prophet. But then as far as the Messiah, this is something that they doubted. And, you know, when somebody is killed, specifically crucified, and you watch them die, you watch their trial, and then you see these things happen, you're like, oh, it's over. And as we know that this wasn't the end, this wasn't what they thought it was, and this wasn't defeat. There, there's probably a lot of things they witnessed that signified to them in the natural that this was it. That a lot of things that they had encountered, normally when this happens to somebody, you know, this is, you know, it was really turning out to be really good. You know, his ministry is healing and people started to follow him and all these things. And then the bigger picture for some reason was hard to understand. Now, I want you to at least recognize this, that the scripture said that Jesus told them and their eyes were constrained. And so once he started telling them and, ex and telling them about the scriptures, later it says that didn't our heart burn and when he was started to explain the scriptures to us? So what scriptures is he referring to? Well, it says so. It says starting at Moses, which means what? The Torah. Moses is given the task to write down, to first of all, at Sinai, to receive the law from God, and then the Ten Commandments, as we know it, the, the Torah, the instructions, because that's what Torah means, is that from Moses' time throughout, we have what, the, 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 what we now call the Pentateuch, but is in Hebrew, it's the Torah. We now have uh, Genesis, uh, we have Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Um, this is where Jesus is talking about where the scriptures are revealed about himself that are concerning him to his disciples here at this point in this body of scriptures that we've read in, in Luke. So why did he give those places? He only, and that's just with the Torah. The, uh, the second place he gave also was in the prophets. So we know that there's minor prophets and there's major prophets. So throughout all the prophets, there, to some degree, there are scriptures that are directly speaking and concerning him. And then you have this third category that he gave is the Psalms, which is, and if you know um, Hebrew and the Hebrew Bible, it's called the Tanakh. Now the Tanakh is an acronym. It's a capital T for Torah. It is the N, the Nevi'im, for the prophets. And then the K is for the Ketuvim, which is the writings. And Psalms, the book of Psalms, is part of the category of the Ketuvim, which is the writings. Now, there's uh, other things you have to learn and look these things up. And if you really want me to go through all that, I can. But really, you're, you're learning Judaism 101 when it comes to things like this. Um they they teach this in their and Jews teach this to their children in school. This is like very very primary things to know. But 
for us Christians, we need to know these types of things. Now, the Tanakh is something that that the Hebrew Bible consists of, and it's categorized in three different places. Just as the New Testament is categorized in a couple places, the, the, the category of the, the New Testament is basically the four Gospels, okay, and then you have the Epistles, and then you have one book, which is the book of Revelation, which is the uh, part of the prophets, because that's what it deals with, the, the prophetic of the end times and eschatology. So now you have this um, issue going on. Uh, where do we look for Jesus in the Old Testament? Well, he just said so. He basically told his disciples, or the two, because it doesn't really give their names, but obviously they were the disciples, that he told them that they were slow. And they needed to really pay attention to what he's about ready to say. And then he started expounding them on the scriptures. And they were blown away. Because culturally they have been reading the Tanakh for forever. And, and their forefathers before them and their forefathers before them and before that and before that. And this is, you know, their lifestyle. This is their day-to-day walk. And... But you have to understand that when Jesus is talking about the, the whole of the Hebrew Bible, he's saying, I'm in there. He's saying this to fellow Jews. He's saying this to his own people. And I could see how the Sadducees and the Pharisees did not get, get it. I could see that. But his own people, they got it, but they didn't get it until he revealed it to them. So I think it's interesting in how when he said he opened their eyes, in other words, he explained to them where he is in the scriptures that he just named. This is important to know. A lot of people miss this. We seem to gravitate towards the New Testament because it has all the explainer aspects of the Old Testament, but in very easy to read and easy to understand form. Why? Is because a majority of the New Testament is geared towards Hebrew, like the book of Hebrews is geared towards Hebrews. If you read Hebrew, the book of Hebrews, it is geared towards the historical aspect of the Tanakh or the Old Testament or Hebrew Bible. So if you, you can kind of look at the panoramic view of this and how Jesus is explaining to this, he pulled them so far out in the panoramic. He says, this is what you look for. He's given us the story. The story is unfolding through the types and shadows and the symbolic nature of the Old Testament. I'll give you one. The sacrificial system in the temple, that is gigantic in the world of Christocentric theology. What was the point of getting the the lamb and, and, and butchering it and getting the blood and having the mercy seat and the propitiation, and all these things all led up and culminated into what we know today as Christianity, but in the form of of pieces, Jesus put them together. Now, given to his own people because of the Jew first and then to the Greek, and Jew first and then to the Gentile, so to the Jew first, why? It's because they knew the references. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the Hebrew Bible. They knew the Tanakh. If it wasn't for the Tanakh, we would not recognize who Jesus was. The authentication of the Messiah resides in the scriptures of the Torah, in the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim and the writings. Jesus said so himself in the books of Moses or the book of Moses or 
well, from Moses all the way to the prophets and then to the Psalms. He says that's where it all resides. And that's exactly what I just explained to you and what uh, it's like to to be a Jew at that time is when they were, you know, Messiah had come. Think about this. And I posted it in a forum that I belong to, in an apologetic forum, that the the Hebrew, or I'm sorry, the, the Jewish culture at that time was in full bloom. The temple was built. The sacrificial system was in working order. They had the complete Tanakh of the whole Bible, uh, and they were reading the scrolls. They were doing everything that they were uh, that God had told Moses to tell them to do. And this is interesting. And this is the time that Jesus came. So, you know, God had given his people. First of all, he came to Abraham and there was a covenant between him and Abraham and it was about the future. It was about his people. And there's a lot going on there. And can you imagine getting all that information all at one time? You just couldn't handle it. You'd overload. But there's one thing that I want you to understand when it comes to uh, Judaism is that God had told Moses this. And let me read it to you in Scripture. And there's more of this. Trust me. If you just look up the word forever and you look inside of the the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you look in there and you do a word search on the word forever, you're going to see something like this. And this is in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 28. And there is so much to this. This scripture covers, and you. this is scripture is repeated over and over by God himself to his people. And this is concerning all the festivals that are here named here in the in the Torah. And I know that there are newer festivals that are um, that is practiced by Orthodox Judaism, but I'm talking here, and that is observed here that God had told them to observe, and here the word actually says observe. So here's is verse 28. Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Now in Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus ye shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, and the God of Abraham and Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. And the list just keeps going. And ye shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. That's Exodus twelve twenty four, Exodus fourteen thirteen, and Moses said to the people, "Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. From the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever." So the word "forever" means forever. Okay, um, have the Jews seen more of the Egyptians? No, and they never will. Okay. Um, if you just do, like I said, do this, and you're going to see in how this is going to relate to exactly what I'm trying to tell you about God's people and what he told them to observe. So, even to the point where Jesus observed it. Why? is because God commanded it. Circumcision, all the festivals. 
I mean, Pentecost itself is the 50th day from Exodus of Egypt to Mount Sinai and the giving of the laws, that celebration. The the Feast of Tabernacles is when they they go out. Even now, you can take a look at and look up the Feast of Tabernacles and see what they do now to be able to celebrate. It's like a, a week-long celebration where they build like some kind of a hut or some kind of a, a signification of how that it would be in the in the wilderness during that time of of the of the Exodus and before they got to the Promised Land. So there are different festivals to remind them, and it's always a reminder. Um, the fact that they have Passover was from the Passover lamb, as when death passed over them with the the blood that was on the lintel and doorposts of the left to right, and how they left Egypt, and just that whole. There are so many things that I could point to that I'm going to go into once I start doing the uh, the episodes of the uh, the reasons why I believe that the Bible is one narrative about Christ, the Christocentric theology, is that I'm giving you just kind of um, these little spoilers because it's important that we know these things. Now, I want you to disagree if you disagree. I want you to be able to put your uh, comments uh, down uh, below this video comment about it. ask me questions if you don't believe what i'm saying or if you think that this is off in some way or that it doesn't um it's not relevant or you know that i'm wrong um you know a lot of people uh try to kind of bring it towards me like if i'm trying to bring back judaism which is far from the case because it never left the continuance of of a jew would be they would become messianic Okay, and that's what the Bible says in the in the CJB, the Complete Jewish Bible says messianic, because Christian is another way of saying messianic. Uh, Christ is is another way of saying Messiah. It's a translation into a different language so that we can understand for the people at that time. And as it goes into the etymology of of words, uh, it goes to Christ, and then from Christ it goes to Christ, which is the terminology we use now in English. So there's so much to learn about this, but really, if you keep in mind Christocentric theology, that is the Bible from the book, and I say this all the time in my Bible study, the Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation is one narrative and one story about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I say that with conviction because it's exactly what the Bible and how it's written it's written for the Jew. Why? It's because that's their culture. That's their life. That's what they live by for years. And, and all the rabbis that have done all the things that been said and written down the things that they believe, it is still kept alive still today is one of the largest, uh, is the third largest or one of the three largest religions in the world. And so the Christianity is, is predicated off of, and people don't like when I say that either. Christianity is predicated off of Judaism. I believe that, that Christianity, it was born out of the womb of Judaism. Everything that it talks about is basically an extension of Messianic Judaism. Um, when, you know, there the, there's a lot of oppositions to why Jews don't believe. Now, I want to differentiate, and I want to spend the last couple of minutes differentiating on the different types of Jews that the Bible, uh, the definitions that the Bible gives. Now, to end on this note, I want to differentiate between different types of Jews that we read in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Now, in every ethnic group, there are always, always 
a bad apple. It takes the effort of a hundred people or more to somehow, some way fix one person's actions in a certain group. That's just, it's sad, but that's true. One person can't speak for everyone. Okay. God was the only one that can do that. Why is because he's the creator of all things, including humans. The universal message of God is love, but that has a lot of detail to it to explain for you to understand because some people, most people have a perception of what their brand of love is and their definition of love is. So that's another story. So here's the different kinds of Jews that I have found in the Bible. You have you find the ones that are faithful. The ones who obey Torah. The ones who stayed strong. The remnant that God has kept throughout all the narrative. And you see these Jews throughout the whole Bible. Throughout the whole 66 books of the canon of Scripture. These are the ones that God eventually uses to do good things, great things that are to his glory. And sometimes Jews that are probably not worthy of being used, but God uses them anyway and is glorified. Um, think about this. Um, Moses, uh, he, he murdered somebody. He murdered an Egyptian because he was attacking, as the Bible puts it, one of his brothers. But God used him. The unlikelies God uses for his glory and to do his purpose, which is very, very important to know. And then you have the ones that are in the middle of the road. They kind of, they believe, they know, but they kind of still deviate. Balaam is one of them. You see a lot of Balaams throughout the Bible. You see the kings of Israel. There's a lot of that type of, you know, middle of the road, you know, on the fence, lukewarm type believers in the Bible, you see those Jews too. And then you see the ones that are unfaithful to God, even though they know Torah, they know things, but they, they completely deviate from God and they do things that are evil. And like I said, in any ethnic group, this is uh, this is true. You can't get away from this. This is just how it is. But they don't represent everybody. But then you don't hear people saying the good, the ones that are don't deviate, the ones that are true, and the ones that are stay. They don't say they don't represent us. You don't hear that. Okay, but let me give you some. John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. He was a very very good Jew. He practiced Torah. He did everything. And the only one thing that he did wrong was question the angel. And he said, well, how can this be? And then, you know, of course, he got his language was taken. And then you have uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, I did some research on them. And um, just because they're Sadducees, not all Sadducees and Pharisees were bad because then you have Nicodemus. You know, he, sp he spent time with Jesus. Um, and this is... Uh, this is important to know. Now, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 um, came to Jesus at night for whatever reason he did. But he was 
still wanting to know that because what he had seen and what he heard already up to this point, it was something that he had a lot of questions, but then he was in the middle of the road. I'm not sure. You got you got them. And then you have, you know, there's another, uh, the the Simon, the one who beheld Jesus when he was a baby and, and what he had prayed that he would be able to to witness God's redemption in, in, in the Messiah. And he was granted that when he saw baby Jesus, he goes, you know, I live my life and this is what I prayed for and pretty much now I can die in peace. There's him. And he was in the, he was a believer. He, he was kind of like, I would say he was the first outsider of Jesus's family and John the Baptist. Well, they were all family because they were cousins. Their family to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He was messianic. Who would say Simon was. And then just recently, uh, there was uh, a, a very, very good uh, conversation with my uncle, and he talked to me about the thief on the cross and that how he said, um, remember me. And so all of the teachings that he had learned through growing up, and then, of course, he deviated and became a, you know, a thief and was convicted and was crucified next to Jesus. He believed in Jesus as the Messiah. So even his teaching came to fruition eventually at the end of his life, and he repented and believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That was interesting in itself. I had never thought of that before. And then there's another one where the ruler came to Jesus and says, what must I do in order to attain eternal life? And for whatever reason, why he questioned that being a ruler or a leader and knowing the Torah in and out, knowing the Tanakh, and then saying, what must I do? Well, why would he have that question? Was he not sure? Obviously, he wasn't sure that he would have eternal life. Or it was a question of, let's just see if Jesus knows what he's talking about. But I don't believe that. I believe that he actually wanted to know. And the reason why is because of his response. Jesus told him, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Couldn't do that. Went away sad. So I believe that his question was real. And he meant it from his heart. Now, there's all types of Jews. And then there's the Jews that were yelling in the court of Pontius Pilate to crucify Jesus. But how did Jesus respond? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So, more to be said. This is all in a nutshell, off the cuff. This is something I've given you right as I'm giving it to you raw, all the study that I have. And now I know I can't recall all of it, but this is will do. This is like the beginning. This will have to do. And I will have other episodes to explain Christocentric theology. It'll be more precise. It'll, it'll have structure. But this, I, I just wanted to be able to put this out there because this was a request. And I like to honor my requests because I think it's important. I think people should be in touch with the, the a Bible teacher or a pastor and to be able to ask questions of under, to be able to understand the Bible more. And I think that it should be responded to. But that's just me. No question is too little. I'd like to address all, all sides of questions. Bring it there. If it's theological, I'm there. I'm there with, with the, with the learned. I study like a madman. I just won't stop until I get the answer. 
And I pray for the Holy Spirit to give me that revelation. Okay. I hope that somehow, some way that this made sense. And I hope you ask questions. I hope you watch this video. I hope you share this video. Help support the preaching of the gospel. Do your part. This is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. Amen.